Let us, let us begin our worship of God. Let us sing to him from Psalm 61 of the Sing Psalms. Psalm 61, Sing Psalms version. You find that on page 78 of the Blue Book. And we'll sing from verses 1 down to verse mark 5. O hear my urgent cry, my God, and listen to my plea. From earth's remotest bounds I call when my heart faints in me. O God, conduct me to the rock that's higher far than I, for you're my refuge from the foe, my tower of strength on high. O let me dwell within your tent, Forever there to live, O oh, for the shelter of your wings, the refuge which they give. For you have heard my vows, O oh God, and you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name continually. That psalm that there where David speaks and comes to God in his weaknesses, in his cry, desiring to come and be close to God, conduct me to the rock. And it says that he has a desire in verse 8 at the conclusion of the psalm to come and praise his name. We won't sing that verse, but that is what we do when we gather. So we'll sing this psalm, verses 1 down to verse Mark 5. The tune is Weatherby, O hear my urgent cry, my God, and we'll stand to sing. O hear my urgent cry.
So now we'll, we'll say a short prayer before, and we'll, before do our children's talk and before they go into Sunday school. So let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this new day that you have given to us and how gracious you are to us to give us all things that are good. Help us, Lord, that we would be thankful to you for all that you have done. And we'll be thankful for everyone that you have put around us. We thank you for our parents. We thank you for brothers or sisters. We thank you for grannies and grandpas. We thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us Bibles to read and pray that we would understand what the Bible says to us, that we would learn about Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us, and all that Jesus continues to do for us. So Lord, we pray for our understanding of who you are. We pray for the children as they gather next door. We pray for the teachers as they teach them the truths of the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would be with them as they do these things. We pray that questions that they have will be answered and that they would come to know who Jesus Christ is and that he is a saviour that died on the cross for them so that we may live and have confidence in the life that we live. So we ask that you'd be with us. Forgive us our sins, we pray. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our saviour. Amen. Okay, boys and girls, just want to say a short word to you before you go into Sunday school. Uh, I think today you're going to be learning about the apostles and the disciples and how they spoke about Jesus and who he was and how they were so excited to tell others about Jesus. So you, boys and girls, are going to be learning about the disciples and we the older ones are going to be learn, we're going to look at Psalm 40, and that is also a psalm that tells of a person that was not ashamed to speak about Jesus and all that he had done for him. And when they're speaking because they're so excited and so happy, something good has happened to them. Now, when something good happens to you, if you're out and about and then you come home, you want to tell your parents. You know, what happened to you? Mom, Dad, you'll never guess what happened when I was out. So-and-so happened, or I saw so-and-so, or something happened that was so exciting. And you know, I was in Edinburgh a couple of weeks ago, and I was just in Tesco, just going to buy something, and there were two people talking beside me, and they were so excited about what they were speaking about. We me and the person that was staring at me, we didn't know what they were talking about. But we both sort of turned and looked at them because of the way they spoke to each other. They were so excited and they were saying, yes, it's so great. And I was thinking, well, I was wondering what they were talking about. And so was the lady that was staring at me. She asked, she asked them, what are you talking about? And it turned out they were talking about a caramel Kit Kat, this new caramel Kit Kat uh, uh, other chocolates are available, but I don't want to advertise that, but they were so passionate about this new thing that had come out. It was a new, a new version. And, um, you know, I just thought, 
Isn't it amazing that we were, we were just watching and seeing them talking and how they had this connection with one another about what was so good. And they were telling each other about what this was so great. And this is what the apostles were doing and the disciples were doing. Jesus had done something that was so great, the greatest thing in the world. He had died and he had risen. And they wanted to tell everyone. But some people didn't like it. Because, because it was so exciting. And because everyone was looking and wondering, what are these disciples talking about? It was like me when I was looking and saying, something exciting is happening, I don't know what it is. But other people, they weren't happy because everyone was listening to the disciples and telling them about Jesus. And so they sought to put them to jail. But one thing is very important that they did. They said that they must talk about God and they must do what God has told them to do. And you know what, boys and girls, we have the greatest news in the world in our Bibles. And that's what it's called. It's called the good news. It's called the gospel, the good news. Because we have good news like the disciples did about Jesus. And I hope and pray that we will be able to speak to each other and tell each other about what Jesus has done for me. And even the older ones have that excitement about what Jesus has done for me. And that others may see and wonder at what this man has done and can do for them. I wanted to try this new Kit Kat. I still haven't. I thought I didn't need it. But we all need Jesus. And I pray that we would all find Jesus and know him. So I pray that you'd be blessed in your time together as you go through to Sunday school. And as you go through to Sunday school, all the kids that are, all the younger ones that are upstairs, can you come down and go out this door here beside Roddy? The deacons, the men on the door will help you and direct you. Just because it's very windy at the front, you can all come down, come down the sides and then come out this door here. So you don't get blown away. So we just want to keep you safe. Okay, so thank you for listening to me. We'll continue in our praise by singing in Psalm 119 of the Scottish Psalter. <clears throat> Psalm 119 in the Scottish Psalter. That's on page 404 of the Blue Book. We'll sing that section from verse 49 down to 56. Remember, Lord, thy gracious word, thou to thy servants speak, which for a ground of my sure hope thou caused me to take. This word of thine my comfort is in mine affliction, for in my straits I am revived by this thy word alone. The psalmist relies on the word of God and his love for the word of God and his value of the word of God comes through in this psalm as we sing it. And it is something that we as believers in the Lord are uh, likened to thank him for the words that he has given to us. So we'll sing this psalm to God's praise to the tune St. Andrew. Remember, Lord, thy gracious word. So we stand to sing. Remember, Lord. 
can turn to our Bibles now and take our first reading. We've got two readings this morning. Our first reading will be from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2. We'll read a short section there, and then we'll read from Psalm 40 afterwards. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, and we'll read from the beginning. Let us hear the word of God. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show what is the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. May we turn also to Psalm 40, the book of Psalms. We'll look at Psalm 40 today. So Psalm 40, we'll read from the beginning. I waited patiently for the Lord, He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust who does not turn to the proud or to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Amen. May the reading of God's word be a blessing to each and every one of us. May we turn to God in prayer as we prepare our hearts. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you again as thinking of ourselves as little children. We think we know the way, but often we need to be directed. We need to be shown, we need to be corrected. 
And Lord, we come to you acknowledging this, that we are in need of direction. We are weak as we come before you, for you are mightier than we are. And Lord, give us reverence in our hearts as we come to you in prayer. Each of us in our own hearts, the prayers that are silent and the prayers that are all. Lord, give us reverence as we behold your beauty. May it shine forth from your word today as we consider it. Give us ears of understanding. Unblock our eyes to see the beauties of Christ Jesus and all that he has done for us. And the security we can have in him, if only we trust in him. Lord, that all of us who are gathered here would exercise our trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, for in whom there is no other. There is no other to whom we can compare. There is no other to whom we can trust. But you, O oh God, we thank you for each one that is gathered here. And we pray that your word would speak a word in season to the soul and hearts of each. We pray for those who are online and we are mindful of them. We are thankful for this provision that we have, especially this day. Lord, we pray that you would protect us by the power of the nature that is around us. And through this we see the power of you, O oh God, and how weak we are. Lord, be gracious to us and merciful. Protect us, O oh Lord, from the wrath that is to come. And we find that protection in Christ Jesus. Is it not true that we have the greatest news in the world for the world? We have the greatest news in Christ Jesus, that he is the one that will protect us from the wrath that is to come, that is deserving of us for our sins. For we have admit that we have followed the passions of our flesh and the desires of our body. Lord, we confess our sins to you today. We confess them because you are one that can forgive them. And you are the only forgiver of sins. You are the great high priest that takes him and intercedes for us on our behalf. Lord, let each of us put our trust in you this day. We pray for our nation. We pray for those who govern over us, that you would give them your wisdom. And Lord, direct us in your ways and not the ways of our flesh, the passions of our flesh. Lord, we pray for laws and legislations that have been passed, that they would be overturned. And that we would return to being guided by your word and the wisdom of it. Lord, we pray for our nation and the efforts that are made across it this day, your day, the day that you rose from the dead. That that would be proclaimed to the people. Jesus Christ has overcome death. And so you can overcome death too if you would only trust in him. Lord, we pray that you would be amongst us. And in every effort that is made, we acknowledge that if your spirit does not go with us, we can do no good of ourselves. So we pray that your spirit would bless our gathering here. 
and enlighten our minds and pray that your spirit would go amongst our island and our nation and everywhere where the gospel is preached. Lord, we know that we preach the gospel poorly and many, many times. But it is not how we preach it. It is how you apply it to believers' hearts. O oh Lord, be effective today to hearts that are lost, to hearts that do not know where to go, to those that mourn. Lord, encourage them and comfort them. There are many mourning in our community, in our island and our nation. And Lord, we ask that you would be with them. Too many to name. Many have lost mothers. Some have lost fathers. Some have lost grandparents and grandmothers. Brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles. And we pray for those who have lost sons and daughters. That you would comfort them in the difficulties that they face and the questions which they have. Lord, wrap your loving arms around them and be a protector to them in these days that will be difficult and the weeks and, heads that, weeks and months that lie ahead for them. We pray that you would be with them in all things. We pray for our young and we pray for the young that gather next door that they would see and know the riches of Jesus Christ and come to trust in him. We pray for each of us who are believers here, that you would encourage us in your way and give us strength in every step that we take. We pray for the unconverted, that you would speak with them and that you would awaken their conscience to be turned to God. See the plight of the situation in which they lie without Christ and turn them to you in Christ to rely upon the one who can forgive and the one who can free them from the weight of sin that will burden them. Lord, we pray, be over us as we look at your word, guide our minds, protect our minds from the thoughts that are <coughs> not upbuilding. Give us a focus on your word, a focus on Christ, a focus on the wonders that you have done for us. Be with us, we pray. May your spirit accompany us and bless your word as it is read and preached. All this we ask in the name of your Son and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May we continue in our praise to God in Psalm 26 of the Sing Psalms. Psalm 26 of the Sing Psalms, you'll find that on page 30 of the Blue Book. And we'll sing from one verse down to verse mark 8. Declare me innocent, O Lord. I've walked in blameless ways, and I have trusted in the Lord, not wavering all my days. Test me, O Lord, and try my heart, my inmost thoughts survey. Your love surrounds me, from your truth my feet will never stray. I'll tell of all your awesome deeds, verse 7. 
Proclaiming loud your voice, your glory fills your dwelling place. I love your house always. The one who trusts and relies on God and the one who has the heart to come to worship him. Let us sing this psalm to the tune Palerma. Declare me innocent, O Lord, and we'll stand to sing. Declare me turn and look at for a time that we have left in Psalm 40 and God willing over the next three Sundays I hope that we can make steps through this psalm together. This is one of the well-known psalms, the one that we learned when we were young, one that is on par with Psalm 23 or Psalm 100. There's many one that Christians that sit here or those who listen online can say, the psalm has a special place in my heart. 
It is maybe one of the psalms that is a favorite for us to sing when we are in fellowship together. Or it is a psalm where we may come and read it in the silence of our own hearts and the solitude that we have with God. It is a psalm that speaks of tribulation. It is one fitting for tribulation. It is one fitting for times of pain and anguish. But it is also one that we sing when we rejoice and come in thanks to God. Psalm 40 has a sympathetic bond with us, we can say. And rightly so has become a psalm that is cherished by many of the Lord's people. And in our consideration of this psalm over the next few weeks, we'll divide it sensibly into three parts. Our first part today will take us down to where we read the end of verse Mark 5. And we can call this the, the waiting on God. The psalmist waits upon the Lord. The second part we'll take from verse 6 down to the end of verse Mark 10. And we can call that the worship of God. And finally, from 11 down to the end of the psalm, we can call that the walk that we have with God. And each week, hopefully, we'll take a passage from Ephesians to parallel what Psalm 40 and the psalmist speaks to us. So an an overlook, in a sense, of the psalm and something that aids our remembrance of what the psalm means is the weight on God, the worship of God, and the walking with God. And I hope in the next few weeks all this will become clearer. But on the outside, as we look at this psalm, and we stand back from this psalm, you know, is it not often the case in the Christian's experience that we are often forced to wait on God? And we feel, we feel every second of that wait. It is not a passive wait, it is not a half-hearted wait that we have. As the psalmist here on the words of the psalm portray it as all his words are consuming of his waiting in the midst of struggle and distress. And then on the relief of the weight that he experiences and the relief that we experience as Christians, when God hears and God answers, we find that, well, we cannot but come and worship God. We cannot but come and thank him for what he has done for us. And we desire to be closer with him and to know him better. And he gives us the strength to walk. And it is only by his strengthening that we are enabled to walk through the difficulties of this world and the tribulations of it. But the, maybe the greatest thing about this psalm is that though he goes through these experiences and we go through these experiences, the psalmist does not polish them as magical perfections of the Christian life, that they come with ease. They come with many difficulties. As, you know, when we tell a testimony of what the Lord has done for us, we may be guilty of not maybe fully explaining the difficulties that we go into because of the personalness and privacy of the difficulties. But the psalmist here portrays that, well, he waited on God. And he longingly waited, patiently waited, and he walked with God in a way that was not an easy walk either. 
we all find ourselves somewhere, I think, in the words of Psalm 40. I hope you do. Even if you're not a Christian, may these words speak to you and may God, by his power, speak to our hearts as we look at this psalm. So let us turn our attention to the first passage of this psalm. And we look at the trust we have first in verses 1 to 2. We look at the transformation that comes about in verse 3 and the testimony of the psalmist from verse 4 to 5. We have the trust, the transformation, and the testimony in this first section. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. The psalmist's trust is in a situation. David here is actually recalling or reminiscing over a past experience. I didn't appreciate this until I, I looked and studied the psalm. You can see that it is all written in the past tense, this first few verses. He waited. It's a past experience. The psalmist refers to this particular experience that he went through. And that he found himself in a grave, and, uh, a grave affliction or trial in this experience. And where... Does he write this psalm as he looks back, I thought? We're not told exactly what this uh, psalm relates to in the experience of David, just that it was a time of tribulation. But I wondered, well, where was he as he wrote the psalm? Well, I thought that he would be in a place of peace and security. He would be resting in his home, recalling what the Lord had done for him. But it is actually not the case. If you look at verse 17... The psalmist says, as for me, he speaks in the present tense, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me, for me. The psalmist is, in a sense, in another tribulation and difficulty, and he is forced, in a, maybe we could say, to recall, in his tribulation, I have been here before, and I trusted in the Lord. And he did not leave me. He did not forsake me. He was faithful to me. He remembers that he never let him down. He restored his soul. And in his remembrance, he finds himself his own reassurance. Trusting in the one who relieved him from that tribulations. And... We go through many tribulations. The psalmist, in a sense, is not hiding the fact of the tribulations that he goes through. But maybe we've never been through something so difficult before. And it is for us as older Christians examples that we must portray clearly what the Lord has done for us. And not hide when we speak of God what he has taken me from, from the tribulations and the difficulty I experienced before the Lord relieved me from my plight. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He doesn't hide his afflictions in the psalm. 
His remembrance of waiting with patience is a hopeful awaiting as he recalls. He was trusting, relying on this God, though fraught with difficulty. And maybe the hardest part of the psalm is actually that he had to wait. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did wait, as the Psalter puts it. Maybe portrays the difficulty he had in waiting and the patience he needed to exercise in waiting. Many of us have had to wait upon God in our experiences. And it's a difficult thing as we question ourselves and we make questions. Why is the Lord not answering me? Waiting should not be underestimated. And the difficulty of it. Someone once said that patience is not passive. On the contrary, it is active. It is concentrated strength. We find that we need to make a conscious effort in our waiting. It's not like we're waiting for someone, you know, if we drop someone off to go to an appointment, we're not just waiting for them to come back. Passively. We're waiting consciously because everything hangs on what happens. What will happen? We are longingly waiting. But when we come to wait on God, we can be sure that there will be another voice that will say to us, why? Why are you waiting? Nobody is listening. That is where the psalmist's trust comes through. His faith and trust overcomes any doubts as ours must that the devil speaks to us. We must address the devil to depart from us in these times. I trust in God. God is faithful to his people. God will not forsake his people and I am one of God's people. I am one that trusts in God. So we have confidence in our difficulties and in our waiting that God will not leave us. And the psalmist and the Christian will commend to everyone that God is worth waiting for. The psalmist remembers that he waited, but the psalmist remembers that he cried. In this situation, he made this cry and would be confident to say that as it's in the psalm, it's singular cry, but our cries are often never singular. They are many and painful. Uh, many times they're never even audible. Situations that surround us, like the psalms, can weigh upon us with grievous pains that we must cry for help. What was the psalmist's situation here? Well, we see he was in the pit of destruction. He was in the miry, miry bog, it says. What does this place equate to in your head as you think about it? What is equal to being in the pit of destruction for you? The miry bog. You may well be able to say that I have been in that place. Or maybe today you can say that it feels like I am in the pit of destruction or in the miry bog. What was this place to David? Well, it was a place where there was no hope. Surrounded on every side. 
weighted and tired and all his strength taken from him by the clay that stuck to his feet and the mire that he walked through in this bog, he may be able to see where he wants to go from the pit, but there is no way he can attain what he desires. It is unattainable and all he can do is cry to God. Cry for help. And it is a confession that he cannot do it himself. The cry, as our cry often is, as simple as God, I need you. Oh God, will you help me from this pit and mire that I find myself in? We cry in our experiences to God, whatever the difficulty of our situation. Calvin would say that it is a genuine evidence of the true godliness when although plunged into the deepest afflictions, we yet cease not to submit ourselves to God. In all the afflictions that come before us in the situations, we cry to God. Because the psalmist recalls in whom he trusted, it was God. It was God. He inclined his ear. He drew me. He heard my cry. He drew me out of this pit and he unburdened the weight of the mire that sapped all my strength and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. The sure footing that God gave to him, unlike the mire, let him stand confidently and securely. Every step is made securely, it says. The Psalter again words it as establishing my way. God takes you from the pit, sets you on the rock, and establishes the way for you. Something is established and it is firm and fixed in his will. And he gives you directions. The passage in Ephesians speaks of ones that followed the course of this world. Spoke of ones that were dead in trespasses and sins. Spoke of the, this speaks of the extremity of the pit. Death. Without trusting in Christ... Without a cry to Christ, we remain in the pit and we remain in the mire without hope. And so we cry. We cry and we cry to God to save me from this pit and we put all our hope in you. And the place, the place may not have any hope or the situation and experience of our lives may not have any hope, but we can have hope in God as the psalmist did. He hoped and waited patiently upon God. And what a transformation he knew by it. He trusted in God. Let us look at the transformation. There's a transformation within him. There's a transformation outwardly. Verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and will fear and put their trust in the Lord. Within his heart, he finds this new song to sing. He finds this desire to sing this new song, thankful, 
praising God for all that he has done. And it is entirely attributed to God and God alone. It is nothing of ourselves. The Psalms did not save themselves. We as Christians do not save ourselves. And it is by grace that we have been saved. It is a gift of God. Within him, he found this new song. Taken from the place where he was of sorrow and cry, he is rejoicing. And you know, I think of this passage and I recall myself, as I'm sure many of you can, when we sing the Psalms, sometimes we come and we, we just sing them. But there are other times we come and we sing the Psalms and we, the words of it speak to our soul and address how we feel and we sing them, we may sing them with tears, we may sing them with sorrow. We may sing it with thankfulness and awe of what God has done for us. But we're singing it. And it is as if the words of the psalm are a new song to us. Because of what he has done for me. And what he has done for my soul. And it may be a time where we recall what God has done. But it was him that who has put that new song in my heart. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. It is him that has done it. And we become, in a sense, the singers that really sing the Psalms of God. Outwardly, it says that many will see and fear and put their trust in God. This transformation outwardly brings people to see the change and the fear and say, look at this man who was in the pit. He now stands on the rock. Look at this man who dragged his feet through the clay and the mire and the difficulty where he was overcome by the weight of these things. He now stands sure and firmly and confidently. What has happened to this man? People see that change. And come in reverence fear to the God of conversion. The God of transformation. But there's something else I want to address. And it is maybe not the intent of the passage. But some people can be afraid of what God would do with them. They may see changes and great wonders in others. But human fear and worldly affections and desires for things that they enjoy in this world keep them from putting their trust in God. Why is this? Why, why do we fear God now in this life? Why do we fear what God could do with me today? Why do we fear the transformation that he would make in my life? Are we scared of what others would say? Well... We're not to be scared today of what God will do. We're to be scared what God will do with you at your death if you do not trust in Christ. What hope does this world have to assure you and give you confidence? Why do we measure worldly things against the immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus? There is no comparing these things. Let the psalmist's testimony give you confidence. 
that we are to come and wait upon God and not worry about what God will do for us because he will open your eyes to see that you are in a pit and a mire and that he will uplift you and let you stand on a rock. You're far better off with Christ. Let the pit not be eternal for you today. Cry to God to save you from the pit and let him put you on a rock. The rock in Christ Jesus and in whom we stand and the riches that he can give to you who trust in him. We pray that the psalmist's testimony as he speaks of what God has done would give us confidence to wait on the Lord. So let us briefly look at the testimony of this psalmist. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud or to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds to your thoughts and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim of them, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. David looks back at this experience. A man who knows the power and faithfulness of God. A man who knows that he will hear his cry. A man who knows the difficulty of waiting. But he says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. This is David's confession. And it is a Christian's confession as I sit here today. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. This is what every Christian will say to those who are unconverted. To those who have not put their trust in God yet. This is what I say to you today. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. This is the preacher's desire that you would trust in him and know his blessing. Trust in him when your feet are in the mire. Trust in him when you feel like you are in the pit of destruction. When your situation seems hopeless. When you have nowhere to go. Trust in God and wait on him. And he will hear your cry. The testimony of the believer will say that I have trusted in God. And so much more has he given me in my experiences since the first time he helped me. He has continued with me. And I have not followed the lies of the world. I have not followed the ways of the devil. And the temptations and distractions he has set before me, I have put behind me. I say, I, I look to Christ. I look to God who has delivered me from all my trials and tribulations. He says, it is a wonder about these things. That he has done these things for me. His thoughts towards us. We ask, often ask ourselves, why does God love me? Why does he listen to my cry? Why does he save me? It shows us his love for us. We want to tell people about Christ. 
We pray that we would have a heart of desire to proclaim what he has done for us, not hiding the difficulty and reality of it. And then, yet, he says, I will proclaim and tell, and yet they are more than can be told. It's funny, like, we, we want to say all that Christ has done for us and all that Christ means to us, but we can only go so far in a sense. I can explain it so far and then I'm, I'm stuck and all I can say is what the psalmist says is that, well, he inclined his ear towards me and he drew me out of the pit and he put a new song in my heart and he has done everything for me. It is a gift of God. It is not of our own doing. So make this year a year to trust in God that he may hear your cry and work a transformation within your soul and by the power of his spirit and the workings of his spirit within your soul you would be able to say that you too can testify that the words of Psalm 40 are true and trustworthy. Take courage. Wait on God with confidence. Each and every one of us. Take courage and wait on God with confidence. Because see, when you look through this psalm, it is so much about David, it is so much about ourselves, but it is so much about Christ. We see that Christ from Gethsemane patiently cried out to God. He was mocked and patiently endured it. He endured the pains of the cross. As we go home today, may you see as you read through where Christ relates to Psalm 40. And it is actually a prophetic words of David in relation to Christ. Our time has gone, but I pray that you give time to see where we are related in the psalm, where David's words are true to us. And yet, what it is true of the experience of Christ himself. May these thoughts be blessed to each and every one of us. We'll conclude by singing in that Psalm 40 from the Scottish Psalter. From the beginning, we'll sing the verses that we've looked at. From 1 down to verse mark 5. It's two verses to 5. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. It's a Scottish Psalter version, page 259. May we sing these words and see the experience of the psalmist, the experience that we ourselves have been through and the experience of Christ and all that he has done for us. So let us stand. We'll sing verses 1 down to verse mark 5 to the tune Amazing Grace. I waited for the Lord my God. I waited for the
conclude with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we sing the words of the psalmist, and Lord, we may many sing them with words of heartfelt thanks. There are many who sing the pains or the afflictions of the life that we are endure. Lord, whatever our situation, we find ourselves in these words, but we see that Christ was there too, and he is a saviour who can sympathise with our experience. And so he is one that we can easily approach. And with all our cries, and he knows our cries. So Lord, wherever we are today, pray that we would turn to you and that you would meet us at our need. Lord, we pray for the words that will be spoken later in our gatherings. We pray that we would have a desire to come and hear the word of God being preached. We pray for your servant as he prepares to do so. Prepare our hearts to hear your word. Be with us, Lord, in our outgoings, and as we depart, be with us in our friendships and fellowships. Forgive us our sins, we ask, as we come to Christ, acknowledging and confessing them. Amen.